Hello and welcome to the story of us. The following is a collection of short stories written by yours truly. The characters are completely fictional, but the stories are based on real life events. History, though, is just that, a collection of stories. So I welcome you to immerse yourself in these stories, to learn more about the history of the United States, of Latin America, and more importantly, of yourself. I made the choice to write these stories to give you a better understanding of history. To make you understand the emotions, the lives of these people, your people. With that said, welcome to the story of us. What's mine is yours. Written and narrated by Daniel Zanejas. Another day in the Hacienda of Jamanducuaro. This is all Fernando Gomez knows. Everyone who lives in the Hacienda is involved with hard physical labor. Some work in large fields, planting seeds and raising crops. Others work inside Yesendado's home as servants preparing some of the crops and food that the animals from the hacienda provide. Fernando is a cowhand. It is a special job the patron will only assign to his entrusted peons. Fernando is young and somewhat inexperienced, but 17 years in the hacienda have allowed him to be able to do many jobs. Why the patron, Jose Gomez, favors Fernando is unknown to many, but coincidentally, Josef is Fernando's half-uncle. However, neither one of them is aware of that. Josef's father, Francisco Gomez, was a conquistador who helped with the conquest of Mexico Tenochtitlan, which became Mexico City. After conquering the Mexica, Francisco made his way to Michoacan, which would be renamed Valladolid soon after the conquest of the Prepacha. It was in a small village of Tlaxalca that Francisco received an encomienda from the crown of Spain. Francisco was an encomendero of some of the surrounding villages and forced many of the natives to participate in tedious work with the promise that he would teach them about the religion of Spain. Those natives who were not in the encomiendas were still considered a conquered people and thus subjects of the Spanish crown. They had to pay tribute to the crown of Spain in large quantities of golden maize. If they refused or did not meet the tribute, they were severely punished. To make this easier, Francisco brought with them Nicuatlatoani, a young Mexica boy from Tenochtitlan, and he too participated in the conquest and eventually settled in Francisco's hacienda. With this cheap labor, Francisco became very wealthy 
and soon began to purchase African slaves to replace the indigenous workforce. Many of the natives could not handle the labor, and a lot died from the diseases brought from Francisco and his men. One of the slaves he purchased was Candia, an African princess, which he soon renamed Maria. After a few years of servitude, Maria gave birth to a young girl that was named Luisa. Luisa never met her father, but it was rumored that her father was Francisco, who also happened to be her master. Luisa had a light brown complexion with curly hair, but not as curly as her mother's hair. They called Luisa a mulata. When Luisa came of age, she married an Indio, Mateo, the son of Nicuatlatuani, who took on the Christian name Nicolás, and Susana, who in her former days was named Sassasi. After marrying Mateo, Luisa gave birth to Fernando in the year 1579. Although Fernando was not legally a slave like his grandmother Maria and mother Luisa, he was still somewhat bonded to this hacienda that his grandfather Francisco passed down to his legitimate son, Joseph. Of course, Fernando isn't aware that his own grandfather Francisco was responsible for the enslavement of his grandmother Maria and his mother Luisa. Luisa eventually gained her freedom by marrying Mateo, and that is why Fernando was not a slave. Nonetheless, they all remain in the hacienda because that is all they know. It was difficult for people like Fernando in his time. The rules were made to benefit the Españoles. Those Españoles who were born in New Spain were called criollos. Gente de razón is what they called themselves because many of them believed that they were superior to the natives and African slaves imported to the region. Everyone else either belonged to the Casas group, the Indio, or Negro categories. Since Fernando carried the blood of all three, Espanol, Negra, and Indio, he was considered a bardo and thus belonged to the Casas group. However, because of his skills as a cowboy, the Patron would sometimes pay more attention to him than his own sons. The Patron's sons were criollos and they believed in the purity of blood. They thought that the only reason Fernando was valued was because of his work in the hacienda. Fernando saw how his work was appreciated, but he envied the Patron's sons, who would dress in elegant clothing and sleep in the big house. Fernando's father was a laborer, and his mom, although she was no longer a slave, was still a servant, unaware she was catering to her own half-brother. One day while Fernando was doing some work at the hacienda, the patron approached him. Fernando, I've seen you work since you were a boy, and you know how to hurt the cattle well. I've seen you breaking horses, and I want to give you an opportunity to do more. You are like a son to me, and because of your hard work, I'm going to give you more responsibilities. I will also pay you more. Patroncito, I would be honored to do that. And you know that I will not fail you. Cattle herding and being a cowboy is what I can do best. But whatever you need me to do, I will do it. You can count on me. Fernando awaited this new opportunity with excitement. 
He thought about the clothes that their own sons would wear, and he also thought about building his own house, getting land to have his own ranch. The patron told Fernando that he would send him to other local ranches, and even ones that were far off if he needed to. With more pay, Fernando was able to supply his family, who was indebted to the patron. When he got extra money, he would put it away for his grandmother Maria and grandparents Nicolás and Susana. He wanted to make sure that when he left the hacienda one day, he would bring his whole family with him. Fernando made so much money going to the haciendas that he was able to elevate himself. With this job, Fernando was able to explore the world outside Hamandúcuaro. Fernando went to La Ciudad de México, the birthplace of his grandfather, Nicolás. Fernando traveled so much that he went as far south as the Kingdom of Guatemala and worked in a few of the provinces there. He saw the great cities of his ancestors with their temple platforms now in ruins. From the same stones, the Spaniards built these grand cathedrals on top of the ruins of the temples of the Mexica and the Maya. He now saw himself what his grandfather, Nicolás, spoke to him so much about. With every trip, Fernando gained more experience, and with every experience, his earnings increased. He began to dress like La Gente de Razón, buying clothes that only wealthy landowners of New Spain would wear. With every job, more earnings. It allowed him to go to places otherwise he would have never seen. With this status elevating, he was able to go to places only Spaniards gain access to. And it was here where he met a young, beautiful criolla. Her name is Elena, and she comes from the wealthy family. Fernando shows interest in Elena, and so does she. However, her father is not very pleased. Although Fernando has been able to make something of himself, he is still involved in hard labor. And this is unacceptable to her father. He cannot accept this, and he will not allow a pardo to marry his daughter, and he is outraged by Fernando's proposal. Elena's father is so outraged that soon the news reaches La Gomez Hacienda. The Patron's sons are the first to hear about the news, which only strengthens their hate towards Fernando. The Gomez children have seen how Fernando is favored by their father. I don't understand why father spends so much time with this pardo. Is he so blinded by the work that he fails to realize that he is the son of a mulata and an indio? This peon needs to learn his place in this world, and he needs to understand that it does not matter how much money he makes or what clothes he wears. He does not belong with the gente de razón. He will not marry Elena either. The three young men know that they need to stop him and must create a plan to ensure Fernando does not progress. One day as Fernando is winding down and glad to be back home, he thinks about his life and how it has changed. He will ask for his beloved's hand in marriage on this day. He has already told his mother and his father that he is going through with it. I cannot believe this is happening. All of my hard work is finally paying off. I am truly blessed. Soon, 
I will have my own ranch. Once I do that, I will get you out of the hacienda, ma. His mother smiles and tells him, Hijo, I'm very proud of you. Your abuelita is proud of you too. I remember your abuelita's stories about her home as a child and how her abuelito was the king of a mighty land. I don't know what it's like to be free. I have been in this hacienda my whole life, but seeing my own child leave this place is freedom to me. I am happy to know that my grandsons will not have to inherit the struggle we have inherited. Mama, I will always remember this place. And once I make money from my own ranch, I'll make sure to stop by, pay off the debt the family has. I will return and bring all of you with me. The time has come for Fernando to leave. It is time for him to pay the patron one last visit and collect his last earnings as a peon of the hacienda. Fernando knocks on the door. Luisa would typically answer, but of course, it is late. And after a few knocks, nobody comes to the door. It's a little late to be knocking, Pardo, says a voice in the shadows in the darkness. It is one of the patron's sons. Uh, can you tell the patron that I came to look for him? I've come to collect my last earnings. The only thing you're going to have to do is explain to these inquisitors what you have done. Inquisitors? But why? I haven't done anything wrong. We overheard you praying to the sun god the other day. As the son of an indio and a mulata, it does not shock us. Don't worry. The inquisitors will find a way for you to confess your sins. Fernando cannot believe it. Just a second ago, he was set to leave and start a new life. Now he is forced to face the questions of the Inquisitors. Fernando's heart begins to sink. Those who have felt the brutal acts of the Spanish Inquisition have not come back the same, if they come back at all. Anyone who has been accused of practicing anything that goes against the beliefs of the Catholic Church in New Spain is dealt with immediately. Fernando's joy is suddenly replaced by fear, sadness, and anxiety. He has heard so many stories but no one really knows what happens to the people who face the Inquisitors. Even those who do come back after being questioned do not speak about their experiences. Come, young boy. We just want to speak with you. We want to remind you about the only true faith. If you have done nothing wrong, surely everything will go just fine. The Inquisitor says this to Fernando with an evil, dark grin on his face. Fernando wants to fight back, but realizes that it will only worsen the situation. He tries to calm himself down, but he knows he has been true to the faith. It ups little, and although Fernando will be leaving the hacienda like he had anticipated, returning for his proposal for his mother and family as he planned, that is another story. I'm going to ask you again, Pardo. Did you pray to the sun? No, I didn't. I follow the word. I attend mass. I never pray to the sun. Pull it again, Domingo. Please stop. Fernando screams as the Inquisitors twist in the rollers of the rack. One of the most horrifying torture devices used to get people to confess. 
I can get going. Tell me the truth, Bardo. In excruciating pain, Fernando yells, I'm not lying! I'm not guilty of such a crime! With another twist of the rollers, Fernando can feel his arms and legs slowly separate from his sockets. This is the absolute last time I'm going to ask you. Did you pray to the sun? My only crime is trying to make a better life for myself. I have done absolutely nothing wrong. I have enough money to leave the hacienda. And I'm going to marry Elena. If that makes me a heretic, then do what you must. <laughs> the Inquisitor is burst into laughter. Who does this battle think he is? Let's save your precious Elena. So I want you to marry you after this. With one more twist of the rollers, Renato's leg separates from his socket. <laughs> Fernando can feel his right leg dangling like that of a ragdoll. The Inquisitors seem to take joy in seeing Fernando suffer from the pain. It's true. I did pray to the sun. Nah, that wasn't so hard, was it? Fernando thought that his confession would end the torture, but that could not be farther from the truth. He sees that Domingo places an iron right on fire. He knows what is about to happen. Let's see if Elena likes this. <laughs> Domingo places the hot brand on Fernando's face. The men continue to laugh. Fernando expresses no emotion as he slowly loses consciousness. The darkness engulfs Fernando. He does not know what to make of it. The room feels like a box of ice. Is this what death feels like? Fernando thinks to himself. He is alone, shivering barely clothed. This is when Fernando realizes that he is still alive, but he almost wishes he was not. As he lays on the floor in tremendous pain, he notices a glimmer of light under the door. It reminds him of home. He smiles as tears roll down his face, thinking of the life he had built for himself. At this time, back in the hacienda, he would be eating his pan con chocolate and agua as he prepared for work. Oh, how he loved that meal as a boy. He recalls how his mother Luisa would tell him stories about his grandmother Maria. Mijo, when I was a little girl, your abuelita told me about her home. She told me it was so beautiful that mis abuelitos were the king and queen of her country. And she told me that no matter what anyone would tell me, that I was a princess. So you, mijo, you are a prince. And don't you ever forget that. You can only see your prince now, ma. What an interesting way to treat royalty. Fernando wipes away the tears from his eyes as he speaks to himself. He can hear people speaking outside the room. He wonders why he is still alive. Suddenly, the door opens. Bardo, wake up! Domingo pours an ice-cold bucket of water on him. They say, this is to cleanse you from your sins. <laughs> the ice-cold water penetrates his bones and the shock makes him squirm. Domingo throws him a bar of salt. It smells horrible in here. I'm going to bring you another bucket of water. 
You have five minutes to clean up. Don't let the priest regret his decision. I'm sorry, sir, but I will need assistance. I have no power on my leg. Domingo stares at him for a minute, but does not say anything back to him. A few minutes later, he returns with another bucket and a woman. This India will help you clean up, but it better be fast. We have other heathens to inquire. As the woman begins to clean Fernando's wounds, he notices how beautiful the woman is. She is about his age. The attraction is beyond physical. He has not even felt this way, Marlena. Thank you very much. My name is Fernando. What is your name? The woman ignores his question and continues to help him wash up. I can take it from here. Fernando grabs the cloth and uses it to clean himself. The woman looks at him, but quickly looks away. And Fernando attempts to speak with her again. I'm going to get out of here. I'm stronger, you know. Sure, I have some cuts and bruises, but this is just to test my faith. I have enough pesos to get myself my own ranch, you know. And when I get out of here, I'm going to marry the love of my life, Elena. The woman takes the cloth back from Fernando as she dips it back in the bucket and tells him, You're not the first man I've heard, th I've heard say that. Chuckling as she finishes cleaning him, You own nothing in this world, not even your own body. And when you perish, they even own your soul. The woman walks away and she closes the door. The glimmer of light is replaced by complete darkness. After the five minutes pass, Domingo returns to the dungeon and explains to Fernando that he must now repent in order for him to be cleansed of his sins. You're going to meet with Padre Jose. You will explain to him all of your wrongdoings and will ask for forgiveness. Yes, of course. Fernando is still in horrible pain. The fact that he is still alive truly is a miracle. Here, take this. Domingo gives Fernando a walking cane so he can walk out of the room. It will not be an easy task getting out of there. He has to climb up the stairs to speak with the priest. I don't have all day, Pardo, let's move. As Fernando makes his way up the stairs, he notices the India who helped him clean up while he was in the dungeon. They lock eyes for a second. Her strong gaze forces him to look away. As he passes by her, she tells Fernando, My name is Juana, but that isn't who I am. Fernando quickly turns back to Juana, but she has already made her way out of the room. Keep moving, Pardo. You've got no visits talking to that woman. Fernando finally makes his way into the room where Padre Jose is sitting. Sit here, my son. What can I do for you today? Forgive me, Padrecito, for I have sinned. Yes, you have, my son. But you know that our Creator is merciful, and you can always repent. You're right, Father, and I've come here to ask for forgiveness. Continue, my son. First off and foremost, I ask that you forgive me for praying to the sun. My ignorance is what led me to do that. 
Yes, your people continue to insist that power comes from the sun. But that is merely a creation of the Almighty. Is there anything else you'd like to confess, my son? Just as usual, Padrecito. Fernando explains in great detail all the wrongdoings he feels he has committed. He wants to ensure that he never returns here again. Very well, my son. You are forgiven for your sins. You are now free to go. Thank you, Padrecito. I do have one request for you, however. What would that be, Fernando? Can you give Juan my gratitude? Padre Jose looks at Fernando for a few seconds. He does not answer his question and just shakes his head. Fernando leaves the room, hoping to catch a glimpse of Juana, but he does not. Domingo escorts Fernando out, and he finally leaves the dungeon. When Fernando arrives, he sees his mother waiting for him. In tears, she gives him a big hug, but quickly lets go as she notices he is in horrible pain. Vigo, what have they done to you? Are you okay? I'm here, Ama. That is all that matters. I was so worried about you, Fernando. I was not sure if I was ever going to see you again. Your stories are what got me through, Ama. Luisa, still crying, holds his hands and says, Vigo, I'm so sorry. Ama, there's nothing to be sorry about. This is not your fault. Nothing has changed. Once I heal up, I will be back doing to what I've always done and work. And like I promised, you will have our own ranch. Renato notices that Luisa's crying gets worse and this confuses him. Suddenly, Mateo comes out of the house and begins walking toward Fernando. Fernando, we need to talk. Papa, of course, but what's going on? Come here, Fernando. Take a seat. Fernando is now even more confused by what is going on. Fernando, they took all of your earnings away. Fernando does not even respond. He shakes his head and looks away. The night that they took you away, mijo, they told the patron that you have been stealing from them. So the inquisitors took away all of your earnings and said that would count as part of your punishment. Where is Elena, Appa? Fernando, it's best that you don't know. As tears roll down Fernando's eyes, he demands to know where his beloved is. Where is she? Where is she? You will never see Elena again, Fernando. Fernando goes to the nearest horse and attempts to mount it. Fernando, what are you doing? Fernando is so engulfed with rage that it drowns the voices of his parents. He can feel the adrenaline rushing down his veins distracting him from the pain for just a second. He is unsuccessful in his first attempt, but ultimately, the adrenaline rush helps him out the horse. He wastes no time and takes off with the horse at blazing speed. Fernando! Fernando! Come back, Fernando! 
The voice of its parents begins to fade as he rides blindly into the night. The voice of Juana replays in his mind. You own nothing in this world, not even your own body. And when you perish, they even own your soul.